Here we are now. It is day 98 of 100 Days of Walking and I was joined in Merrion Square uh, only shortly ago by Minister for Health Simon Harris to go for a lovely walk on day 98. However, in typical Irish fashion, we've got rained off the pitch, so we have taken shelter in a nearby hostelry, so we're in the Marriott Hotel instead having a cup of tea. We will, of course, both of us walk later, Simon. Absolutely. I think that goes without saying. But uh, listen, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, you're very welcome to Lunchtime Live. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. And I'm pleased to say you have to do the full 100 days, so there will need to be another walk later. Well, yeah. the 100th day is actually this Wednesday, and we would love if you would come along to Herbert Park at 6 o'clock on that day, because that is another day. To, if I can, yeah. Well, if you're free yeah, do because to. there's going to be loads of people there and I'd love to get as many people as possible but I'm really glad you did join me because thank you for having to me to be honest the 100 days of walking has taken all of us uh, on the show and myself included by surprise at just how it caught fire there's thousands of people around the country doing it and it's simple it's free it's it's not a very high tech intervention in people's lives they go for a walk for half an hour a day but it seems to have made a difference are you I mean you may be minister for health but that doesn't necessarily mean you're healthy uh, <laughs> are you someone who, who looks after your exercise who looks after your health in those kinds of ways yeah so I'm someone like yourself in a job where it'd be very easy not to um, and therefore you have to really make that effort to try to try and actually do it so uh, I did get a dog a little while ago uh, a rescue dog to try and get you out and about, about the house and actually walk and probably the only exercise I do quite frankly uh, is trying to walk uh, so I do get out and walk quite a lot. We we're both from beautiful Greystones. We are. Uh, we're lo- the lovely cliff walk. So uh, from Greystones to Bray, I walk. I highly recommend to anybody. But I think walking walking is so important. It is. Um, it's a great equaliser really any of us can do it uh, you don't need any equipment uh, you don't need a hell of a lot of time uh, and it can make a big difference and it's been really encouraging to see um, so many people take up the challenge I've been following many of them on social media uh, and you can see the pride uh, but you can also see the, the, the what they're getting out of it and certainly from my perspective as health minister and indeed being quite honest in the job that I'm in and the pressures that come with it uh, the benefit of walking is, mu- is much more than physical um, though I'm sure there's a great physical benefit but it's, it's the clearing of the head um, it's the chance to get that fresh air and really any problem you return to even if you are health minister always seems a little bit more manageable uh, after you've taken that walk so I do try to walk uh, most days if not every day I haven't done the 100 days been truthful uh, but I've done quite a lot of them um, and it's, uh, no, it's, it's I find it a great way to clear the head I'm really glad you said that about the head thing because to be honest that's the reason I walk yeah. uh, you know uh, I'm not that unfit I'm not I'm not you know at peak fitness by I mean I'm not Leo Bradker but you know I do what's walk. your metabolic age well I, I hope it's lower than his <laughs> We did test Simon Harris. I'm only messing, but I was about to say he's only 22. But we don't want to upset the Taoiseach. Don't upset the Taoiseach too much. But I walk for that same reason you just said for my head, because like like probably loads of our listeners, I'm busy. I've got kids. Hmm. You have a new baby yourself, which is lovely. Congratulations. Thank you very much. But sometimes that little pause in the day where you get out, there's something almost meditative about walking, and I I do find it really a big game changer in terms of stress or anxiety or just sort of diffusing the, the pressures of life. Yeah, and what I find, which is entirely counterintuitive, when you actually get home in the evening um, and you're actually wrecked and exhausted, um, you actually think, God, if I just sit on the couch, I'll actually feel a bit better. It, 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 you know, it is counterintuitive, but you actually feel more energised after having actually got up, gone out, walked and got that bit of fresh air. And now that the, the clocks have obviously changed again and it's brighter till much later at night, I think it's even easier for us to do it. So really, I think in my role, we spend so long talking about illness. Uh, actually, if we're to create a healthier country, uh, we actually have to put as much attention and focus as we can on keeping people well. So actually, 
uh, on Monday, I think this, I think this is going out on Monday, on Monday myself and the Taoiseach are launching our Healthy Ireland campaign for the summer and it's just a number of initiatives that we're encouraging people to take, whether it's a park run, whether it's getting out and doing your walking and a number of tips for the family. I mean, this is something that if you're a family and you have a, you have a number of kids and you're looking for something to do to occupy during the summer holidays, you know, this is something that's cheap, uh, it's something that's family friendly, all ages can do it and you know you're, you know you're helping keep your kids healthy as well. Yeah. And I love that. I love that idea of actually promoting health as opposed to just treating illness because that's it's sort of like we, we, we get it the wrong way around and, and I, I completely agree with you. I'm just thinking of you and I'm thinking yeah. of the fact that you've been in politics since you are still very young, but when you <laughs> since you were very, very young you've been yes. in politics. Had you any idea when you got into it because how can we ever know what what, sure. what we aren't doing holes in store for us but had you any idea of the, I mean the Minister for Health people describe it as Angola mm-hmm. uh, as the department because it is such it's been described as a poison chalice as well it's such a difficult role and such a difficult job had you any idea before you went into politics the kind of pressures that politicians at senior levels in politics would be under quite frankly no uh, and it's something I think is actually getting worse I think I've spoken about this in recent weeks I actually think the dehumanising of people who go for public office, regardless of their party affiliation or their political views, is is, is something that is pretty disappointing. Uh, it is something that could get in on top of you. Uh, I, I know most people who work at the Dáil, you do, you do through your own work, come across lots of them. I disagree fundamentally with lots of them. Some of them fundamentally disagree with me. But there's very, very, very few of them, very few of them who I wouldn't say work really, really hard, do their very best and are in it for good reasons. And at the end of the day, they're just they're just human beings. They're just your neighbour, your family, people who've put themselves forward. And I do think and maybe it's some of the social media evolution, like social media is great. It's also really easy to hide behind a keyboard and in an angry moment, send some sort of abusive tweet or whatever uh, to somebody in public office. So, so yeah, so the short, the short answer is no, I hadn't. And I think actually until you're in that sort of environment, um, it's very hard to do it. Now, it is a minority um, it is a minority but often often it's it's often the majority stays silent yeah. uh, and I think there's an onus on all of us in, in life in general just to kind of push back and actually say you know if we talk as a country an awful lot about mental health and the likes we, we should all treat everybody we come across uh, with a bit of decency and respect that goes for politicians as well you know and often I've spoken about this too I mean the idea that you'd haul someone in front of an Oireachtas committee very important and ask them tough questions very important but the idea that the idea that you need to be rude to them uh, or offensive to them is not actually necessary and only actually impacts negatively on their mental health and so well-being. Simon, is public discourse changing? I'm, I'm thinking about what you said there about the dehumanising effect and I agree with you, there's tons of people in the doll that I have zero time for their, for their politics but I have to respect that yep. they've been elected for mm-hmm. start to do the job so they have a mandate to be there and equally I, I actually do believe in, in the right of everyone to have their own opinions yeah, or be them very different to mine sometimes mm. but I, I've spoken to a lot of female politicians who've had dogs abuse and indeed threats made against yep. them that would be they would have frightened me they'd be quite sinister and I know when you and your wife and your baby was only home two weeks there was protesters outside your front door when you opened your curtains or whatever that day and saw people outside your house how, how does that feel as, and never mind as a politician never mind as a minister as a, as a person when you see people when you see it on your doorstep and you kind of go okay this is not it's like your your work has come home in a way you didn't expect it to and in a way that I imagine felt threatening to your family yeah, so I mean that's that's the primary feeling, the sense of, of kind of guilt that you're that you're actually nearly letting down your own family. I mean the the best the, the most important job or duty all of us have uh, is to our family and our friends and to look out for those that we care for and to and to mind and protect them. Uh, and when you see uh, when you see people outside your house who no, you didn't mean like this, but I refuse to call them protesters because I don't believe it was protest. I believe it was a mob mentality. I believe it was an attempt to intimidate me, and it's visited other people's houses as well. So it's not about me. Um, 
it, it 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 makes you it makes you wonder why bother like there's loads of places you can protest against the policies of the government if you don't support them so it's places you can come and show your support as well if you do uh, but somebody's home is not one of them um and that's why it's not protest like protest is protest is really important i've been on many a protest against the iraq myself. war and you know we've been we've many of us have been on protests in terms of uh, things like reforming our abortion laws and things about highlighting marriage equality and so lots of us have participated in protests many of people listening to our programs are in unions they might have taken place in very legitimate and important industrial relations disputes our nurses protested yep. with great dignity uh, in recent weeks as we worked our way through a dispute uh, in relation to them so that's protest uh, when people visit your home when some of them cover their faces uh, when they follow your wife down the road that's that's just not protest so now I do is think is it intimidation do you think that's what it actually is it is intimidation by a very very small number of people but our job all of our jobs as citizens is to call it out because the one thing that makes me really proud about being from Ireland so we're a very tolerant country uh, that we're generally a pretty open and inclusive society and we've come a long way in that regard and um, you know we're welcoming people to our country we're reforming our laws to make our country more respectful and inclusive uh, and more equal uh, and, and that compares very favorably with a lot of other countries that are looking inwards that are seeing nasty divisive policies whatever you think about politics in ireland it's not particularly divisive um, and that's important so we can't allow a very small number of people i suppose threaten that uh, and that's why i think it should be called out Okay. Um, one of the other big issues that has, I suppose, run like a theme through our health service for the last year and more is the issue of cervical check. And it's been back in the news in the last week. Yeah. Um, the backlog of smear tests. A couple of things I want to ask you about. It, but first of all, we've heard it reported there are 80,000 women waiting on their smear test results, some of them for 32, 33 weeks at this point. How soon can those women expect their results? What's being done to, I suppose, fast track or clear that backlog of results currently. So can I just say one thing about cervical cancer? We're going to eradicate it in Ireland. And I think we should begin and end every political, media and public discussion saying we're going to do that as a country. And it's not pie in the sky. Uh, it's effectively been done in Australia and New Zealand and we will do it in Ireland. We'll do it in Scotland a generation. Scotland really good stats last week too. And I was reading something about that this week. We, we won't get there overnight. It will take a generation. Uh, but my little daughter who's 11 weeks old, could grow up in a country uh, where we have eradicated cervical cancer. It is possible to do it within a generation. Of that, there is no doubt. So that's the first thing. In relation to the backlog, backlog is extraordinarily frustrating for people, and I know that. It's arisen for two real reasons. Firstly, an awful lot of people sought repeat smears uh, for reassurance, at a time when, by the way, we couldn't provide that reassurance until Dr Gabriel Scali's report came out. But also, about a third of the backlog is made up of women who entered the programme for the first time, which is a good thing. Women who had never before taken a smear, who said, actually, God, all of this you know, focus on cervical cancer, maybe I should go see my doctor, see a healthcare professional. So that meant last year, roughly, in around 100,000 additional smears took place, and that has resulted in the backlog. Good news, in two, in two of the three lab providers, uh, the backlog has dramatically reduced uh, to a number of weeks, to singular digits. In one, there's a particular problem. The HSE have been working really, really hard to find extra capacity. Not easy to do, by the way, to no. find extra lab capacity. And I would expect that over the summer months, the backlog will dramatically reduce. And that by the end of the summer months, uh, we should be in mu- on much, much higher terrain in this regard. So, there, so are we saying there, in three to four months' progress. time, we will not see these kinds of numbers of women? Because we know that the women are anxious. I, yeah, I, I, they, they text my show. They say, Kira, sure. I'm waiting on a smear test result. I don't know what, to, what to, to think. I don't know what to say. I'm worried. What should I do? Are you saying that in three to four months, 
you can say that the majority of those women will have their results? Subject to the extra capacity that the HSE have identified coming on stream, and we'll know that in the next couple of weeks, that the plan is to dramatically reduce the backlog over the summer. So the HSE have identified a lot of potential extra capacity. They now need to do their work, particularly along the lines of Dr Scali's report on quality assurance. Once they have that done, we should know by we should know kind of within a month how that's going. And subject to getting that extra capacity on stream, I think we'll be able to make a lot of progress over the summer. And I do need to say for those women who do listen into your program and who do text in who and who are understandably worried, Dr. Peter McKenna, um, a clinical lead, has made the point that there is a very low clinical risk. And I say that not to demean or in any way reduce the stress, but it is important for women to know that, that the delay does amount to a very, very low clinical risk. The second issue, though, is they are triaging um, they are triaging the smear. So if you are a woman who is particularly susceptible, so if you've had a previous risk, abnormal yes, smear, or you have and, symptoms, or and that's important because you could be sitting at home wondering, you know, am I just in this very large kind of queue? No, there, it is more sophisticated than that in terms of the triaging to people in relation to their history. So I, I just want to say those two things in terms of trying to provide a degree of reassurance. But I know the reassurance people want is that the time goes back to normal waiting times of you know four, five, six weeks, and that's where we want to get to. Lastly, on a separate issue, in terms of the health of the nation. If you had one legacy that you would like to leave with the department when you leave the department, what would that be? That can I can I have a, can I have a couple? Yeah, have a couple. <laughs> it's fair. <laughs> so I mean. I'm really excited that we now have a clear policy direction for the health service called Slauncher Care. That isn't just my bright idea. It's something that lots of people have worked on and all parties said this is their plan. And, and saying that we've left the health service with a clear roadmap as to where we want to be, that within 10 years we get that world-class universal health service where we treat people on the basis of need uh, and not ability to pay. And the second is, I hope, uh, an ability to have put in place key building blocks to help keep our population healthy. So we've passed the Public Health Alcohol Bill, the first time in the history of the state where we actually thought, we have a problem with drink here, we need to pass public health legislation. And we took on the vested interests and we did it. So there are things I'm proud of, but you know, I'm, I'm hoping to stay around a while longer and if a lot more I'd like to get done. Minister for Health, Simon Harris, thank you very much for coming out on day 98 of 100 Days Exhausted of Walking. Exhausted after the walk. It's 100 Days of Tea Drinking has happened today, <laughs> but nonetheless, thank you very much. Thank you so much.